This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My guest today is celebrity tanning expert, co-founder of the amazing self-tan brand Isle of Paradise, and all-round internet best friend and body confidence advocate. Jules von Hepp has also just launched his brand new podcast, Dial a Dilemma, where he becomes the internet's best agony aunt. Jules, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me, babe. Like, it's been a long time coming. Mm. I'm so happy to have you here. And I feel like the best place to start is really going back to where you and I first met, which, if you remember, was in some like dingy cupboard where I stripped off and you literally spray tanned me in the space of about 10 minutes. And I feel like I first knew you as this like incredible celebrity spray tan. I remember that's how you were introduced to me. And so one of the things that I really wanted to ask you to start with, that being your background and spending so much time around women's naked bodies, what did that like really teach you? Because obviously you've gone on to work in such an incredible body positivity space, but I'm guessing that that gave you the most amazing foundation to really truly understand how women feel about their bodies and the variances within that. Oh my God, totally. And what you just referenced, in my brain, I reference as the booth of truth. And I didn't mean to start out spray tanning. It was a career that I fell into and it was something that I fell in love with. I fell in love with the fact that every day women would undress and stand in front of me and they were kind of coming to me not for a spray tan but for this hit of feel good and there's something about when you take off your makeup you take off your jewelry you take off everything hair goes up every kind of aspect of a look and beauty and fashion that you hide yourself behind I actually saw real people and I heard everything and what was so amazing was 
every time somebody got naked, they would apologize for something on their body. And at the time, I really was struggling with my own body dysmorphia. I hadn't even started my journey to finding body confidence and finding who I am. And I just remember thinking, wow, like, I've seen Victoria's Secret models naked. I've seen A-list Hollywood celebrities naked. I've also seen people who aren't in the public eye naked. But everybody does the same thing. They apologize for something. But that's not what I saw. What I saw was somebody's amazing smile. If somebody made me laugh, how they made me feel emotionally, how they affected me. And so that kind of it really started my journey on body confidence. I felt like I'd seen a secret and I'd seen this window that so many people don't get to see because we all have our stuff in our heads. We all get dressed in the morning. We all have the conversation with ourselves in front of the mirror and then we go out and live our day. But what we don't see is what's going on inside people's brains, the thoughts, the insecurities, the perceived imperfections. And as a spray tanner, that's what I saw. So that really started my mission to just opening people's minds to see that everyone's struggling, everyone's got their hangups, everybody's got something on their journey that they're not happy with. And imperfection is perfection. Oh, I love that. I think that like there is nothing more exposing for me than like stripping off to have a spray tan and like as someone who is a self-confessed tanning addict like I I've been there many times where um you take off all your clothes and you're right there's this real vulnerable moment where you're like I'm just going to have to show myself often to a complete stranger mm. and I really am interested by the fact that you said like, you know, from everyone from Victoria's Secret Models to, you know, whoever it might be, Sarah from down the road, everyone had something to say about their bodies and they were almost apologetic for how they look. And I think it really shows us how deeply embedded some of these insecurities are, regardless of who you are. I think we often think that, you know, insecurities might only affect people that might appear in different bodies and you know, especially I think when we look to people who are gracing the covers of magazines, we just assume that they love themselves and they must think that they're, you know, God's gift. But I think it's really interesting that you said that these were pervasive across both ends of the spectrum, you know, whether you're someone who's never been on a magazine cover or someone who's graced 10, that those things are really, you know, affecting everyone. And it's so interesting that I feel like for you to be able to, I guess, create a space to make women feel comfortable. Like what were the things that you found yourself doing that enabled people to, I guess, be a little bit disarmed and stop being like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Like, was there anything that you felt really helped within that space? I think there was a time when, I remember when I first started spray tanning and I said to like, I remember telling my parents, I was like, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna be a spray tanner. Mum was like, a spray tanner? And I was like, well, yeah, because somebody's told me that I've got what it takes to How be a spray tanner. How did you it though? I met a facialist, Nicola Joss, and she said, I think you've got what it takes to be a spray tanner. I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, the thing is anyone can paint a fence. Anyone can do a spray tan, but you have to be a certain type of person to be around that level of vulnerability. And so there were tricks that I picked up along the way, but really I think it comes from having a high level of empathy and emotional intelligence when it comes to being around people who are vulnerable. And I'd never really entertained the insecurity. I'd listen, I'd nod, but I'd say, you know, my car's on the meter, babe. We need to get in the booth. We need to get this going. Or I'd start talking about something completely different because yeah. I was clothed. I was I was very, I had my clothes on mm. and someone was naked with me and I was usually in their home. Mm. So there was an element of having to very quickly diffuse the situation away from the insecurities. And by the end of the tan, actually, 
most most of my clients are dancing while they're drying and they they feel free and there there was this i started to see this huge catharsism with the spray tan itself it was so much more than just putting fake tan on skin it was about allowing people allowing my clients to feel empowered in their body and in who they are and the thing is a tan is almost like the surface level of body confidence and you, it doesn't have to be a tan. It can be going for a wax or standing in your swimwear at the pool. That We've all got these moments in our life where we can feel slightly insecure in our appearance. But the thing is, you have to think that after you've been naked in front of somebody else, whatever situation it is, the chances are they're really not focusing on the shape of your hips or your leg hair or the size of your arms. They're focusing on how you made them feel. Actions speak louder than appearances. And honestly, if somebody is talking about the shape of your body after you've left the room, it says more about them than it does about you. Oof, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> but it does. And I really no, realized I that after somebody left the spray tan booth or after I left their home, the things that I would think about as a spray tanner was never the shape of somebody's body. Never. Yeah. And I then I started to think, well, if I'm thinking that and I've seen them naked and I've been clothed, then what are people thinking about me? Okay, well, they're not looking at the shape of my body. Everyone's got their own stuff going on in their head. And so then I started to feel like I started to see the secret. And that's when I started to go on my own journey yeah. and share it online. Let's go into that because you know, you say that you, you sort of developed all these tools and you obviously were spending a lot of time making women feel incredibly comfortable in their bodies. I know you definitely did that for me, but I guess on the other side, you had your own journey going on where you said you were struggling with body dysmorphia and, and sort of your own feelings of insecurity within yourself. So talk to me about that kind of process of, I guess, coming to a place where I now see you, which is like this amazing body acceptance, this huge advocate of like, you know, body positivity and feeling good in yourself. So was there like a catalyst? Was there something that happened? Or was it that kind of drip drip effect where you just started to realize, hang on a second, like there's more to life than me obsessing about, you know, whether I'm right, wrong, thing, you know, big, small, whatever. Um, what was the moment for you where you sort of felt like you really started to go on that journey? I think it was a combination of the two. I think there was a catalyst, which I'll come on to, but there was also the drip drip of being around nudity consistently. When I first started spray tanning, I was 22. As I look back at my life, I think I hated my body for 20 years of my life, 20 years of standing in front of the mirror and just picking myself apart. And when I say that I have been the lowest of the low with my body, I completely understand how it feels to hate how you look. I used to cancel going to parties. I would not feel comfortable flirting or going on dates or being intimate with another person. Going clothes shopping was so difficult. Standing, I've, I put so much of my worth on the letter in the back of the clothes and how something looked rather than how it made me feel. And this had a huge knock-on effect to going out, even going to bars. I just felt like I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I didn't want to dance on the dance floor. I didn't want to have fun because I was constantly in my brain going, you know, moving my t-shirt, moving my jeans, going to the bathroom in the nightclub and looking at myself and thinking, God, I, I'm, all, I'm ugly. But I was supposed to be there. I look back and I'm like, I was supposed to be at that point when I started spray tanning, when I started being around nudity, and it was predominantly around women, not around men. When I started to realize that actually what I remembered were the actions, were someone's humor, 
kindness, you know, courage, all of that, when I remembered their inside, not their outside, that's when I started to kind of wake up to who I was. There was a moment where Isle of Paradise was just coming up to launching. And for me, when we launched Isle of Paradise, I wanted it to represent all of the naked bodies and all of the people that I'd seen in the spray tan booth for 15 years prior. And I remember being there and the the launch happened and we booked, it was crazy even saying this now, but at the time it was massive. We booked a curve model for the to front Isle of Paradise at the start. And when Isle of Paradise launched, all the newspapers, all the magazines, everyone was talking about, oh my God, how refreshing. Look at this girl. She's got cellulite. Like now, obviously that is the good, like, of course it's like normal, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't back then. Mm-hmm. And I stood there, it was just after the Isle of Paradise launch. And I thought, perfect. I've done what I said I wanted to do. I'm changing the beauty industry. I'm making it more inclusive. But actually, how can I spearhead a body acceptance and body positivity beauty brand when I'm still stood in front of the mirror pulling myself apart every night? Mm. So for me, my journey kind of started for a desire to be an authentic brand founder and to own my body. So I started really unpacking everything that had gone on, everything that was in my brain. Um, And there was a lot of trauma in there. I had therapy. I really wanted to start a fitness journey, but not for dieting. Mm. I threw out my scales. I had to do lots of different things. And it is, I always say the ship of body confidence doesn't just turn overnight. There is no one that's going to give you the body of the celebrity of your dreams. It ain't going to happen. And I think once I realized that life is not an infinite resource, that this isn't a dress rehearsal, this is who you are. And I'm, I don't want to look back at life and think, so glad I wasted all those years stood in front of the mirror, picking myself apart. I want to look back at life and go, do you know what? I fucking owned it. I did what I said I was going to do. And I stood at the top and I put my fist in the air. I said, yeah, I did it. That's what I want. And that kind of desire to shift who I am as a person, I think massively changed my life. And then I started my body confidence journey. And it is such a big drain of energy. Like I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think that um, when we think about, and I have had so many conversations with women about this, you know, the amount of headspace that having poor body confidence can take up. And it's every decision, as you said, it's like, you know, you go to leave the house in the morning, you spend 10 minutes just having to get yourself into a, a good headspace of like, you know, is my outfit okay? Is my is this all right? Is that all right? As you move through the day, like I know that I had this, you know, every food choice that I had it was like what do I choose is, is this like good bad you know and I think that you know I completely relate to you saying or having a moment where you go is this the life that I really want for myself you know is this the amount of energy that I want to dictate to you know a day of of, of being consumed by thoughts of not being good enough and um I really can see that for anyone that's going on that journey, like that's a really important thing to recognize. Like even if it's just that you start to recognize it and observe those Mm. thoughts, just to be aware of how much of your day is being taken up thinking that you're not good enough, you know, and how exhausting over a year, two years, three years, however long you said 20 years of your life, how exhausting that that can be for someone. And I think that, you know, on my own journey and, and something that I absolutely relate to is like, 
the freedom, like the total freedom that you then get. And, and you're absolutely right. It's not an overnight journey. Like, my God, is it like years of work and a continuous thing that we have to build on. And I'm sure you'll say the same, that it's never a kind of, I'm done. Like, you know, you're constantly working on these things. But just, you know, I think about the amount of freedom that I now feel when I'm sat having a coffee with a friend and I'm like, I'm gonna have some cake. I'd love to have a piece of cake or, you know, you go on a night out and you're like, I'm going to carry on partying. I don't need to be in bed. Who cares if I miss the gym tomorrow? Whatever it might be. I think there's so much to be said for just giving yourself that headspace, that freedom to say life has so much more to offer than just obsessing about how we look. And life is so much richer when you take it with both hands and you say, fuck it. Like, I might not be the Victoria's Secret model, but oh my God, am I going to live life to the fullest? But let me tell you, <laughs> I've stood with many a Victoria's Secret model naked and they hate their body more than you would ever guess. Jeez, it's only so the media sad. that puts them in that place yeah, or yeah. used to put them in that place. But I also think it's a very layered process. I mm. think that you can think that you're body confident and until you actually even become aware of what confidence can feel like then you can start to unpack where you are in the present. And there are times and there are moments where of big milestones where I will massively see the progress and the work that's gone in. Poolside, a huge one, gym fitting rooms. And there are elements where if I'm getting changed in a gym fitting room, for me, there's lots of other men around. So instantly I'm in a trap of body comparison. For now, I can get changed in a gym fitting room. I can walk to the shower without my shirt on and I don't give a shit. I do not care. Same as poolside. I can go down to the pool, get in the, get in the pool, whatever. But when I was not body confident, those elements used to tense me up. Those moments and it would, I was in a constant trap of comparison. And I see it now with all my, with friends, with other people by the pool. I see them fidgeting with sarongs, trying to hide their body. That is a place where you place so much of your worth and your existence on your aesthetic. And there is another way. Yeah. There is another way to living. There's a way that you can shift the thought process. The reality doesn't change, but how you see yourself changes. And then your whole life from there snowballs into this lovely place of confidence and self-worth. We'll be back after this. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. I'm really interested in your journey with all of this as a man, because I think that, you know, you just referencing the men's changing rooms. I know that in women's changing rooms, again, for anyone that's been in that space, it can be hugely uncomfortable, but we have seen big shifts in the space of women's body um, kind of positivity movement and, and just diversity across advertising. You know, you spoke about your own brand and how amazing that's been to be able to use um, diverse bodies. Um, in the 
men's space, I feel like it's a lot slower mm. and it's a lot more binary in terms of what they're willing to accept as like, you know, potentially a little bit curved or plus size. And there's still one very typical body ideal. Whereas in, even in the, I feel like women's um, body space, it's sort of morphed into a couple of different ones, even though that's still problematic. How has that been as a man? And how are you trying to, I guess, challenge some of those really, you know, old fashioned, I guess is not the right word, but like, you know, the the kind of aesthetics that are steeped in our mind as being the quote unquote ideal, especially within that space. I think that whether it's male or female or whatever gender you identify as, the journey on body confidence is your own. So it's really about you and your body. Yes, in media, traditionally in print and advertising, we're seeing a lot more diversity in terms of female body shapes and less so in terms of men. I think that there's a long way to go for the male body shape, especially in areas like fitness, mm. tailoring. It's just really one body shape. But unfortunately, the man's voice is not always, they don't necessarily amplify. I'm saying they, I'm generalizing. I would totally recognize that. But um, <laughs> I also think that confidence for men is much more introverted and the journey that they're on is much more introverted and conversations don't necessarily happen like they do within groups of women where that groups of women will be open about how they feel and I know this because I work in a predominantly female industry um whereas men it's much more one-to-one -one. it might happen on a walk it might happen in, on a car journey at the pub with one friend, it might not happen at all. Terms like dad bod absolutely need to go in the trash. Yeah. Um, we need to see a, a huge level of diversity, especially from really big mainstream brands. Yes, of course, you could say the smaller brands are doing it, but you need the big ones like Lynx or Dove or something like Dove Men they need to be pushing the boundaries. Nike, you need to be pushing the boundaries, but they're not doing it yet because they're scared because everything is so focused on the profit and loss account, the money coming in. And ultimately these huge corporate machines are businesses. So if something's selling, they're gonna keep selling it. But really in terms of society, the conversation needs to be shifting. So if you hear somebody say, oh, I've got my dad bod, you need to pull them up on it. You need to say that's not good enough. You need to stop talking shit about yourself because that's not gonna have a good effect on you long-term. Talk to me about how you've approached it from a brand perspective. I am a huge fan of Isle of Pad Paradise. Paradise? Paradise. Paradise. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> huge fan of Isle of Paradise. And I really remember when you first launched, I remember thinking, fucking yes, like this is amazing. This is exactly what the industry needs. Um, but the beauty industry is, again, quite archaic with some of its, um, you know, things that it holds on to very dearly. And so it's a difficult space to launch into. The tanning world is, you know, one that, you know, I remember the Sancho pay ads from back in the day and just thinking like oh my god like I'm never going to look like that and I think that I'm really interested to hear about how you really decided that you know your mission was to kind of break through the traditional mold and try and do something different and you know I guess some of the challenges as well that you face along the way with that. I think for me as a brand founder I never wanted to be a brand founder I never set out to have my own brand but it just it felt so much like a duty and a right 
I did so many of the spray tans on the tanning campaigns that you saw for lots of different brands pre-Isle of Paradise and they were all the same. A white girl in a white swimsuit with a pool or the sea behind them. It was so fucking boring. And I do the tan and like, yeah, sure, I was getting paid. I was paying my rent, like whatever. And I used to just think, fuck, like this is not what tanning is to me. It was always focused on being on holiday. Well, when I tan... I'm tanning to go out for rosé with my girls. The depths of winter when like, <laughs> Babe, <in laughs> my legs it. are paler than a piece of paper. And also <laughs> this whole misconception that tan is for one skin tone. Yeah, yeah. Cannot bear it. It's so old school. Tan is not about going on holiday and wearing a white swimsuit. Tan for me is about feeling like the best version of you and a cloak of confidence that you put on whatever your body shape, whatever your skin tone, whatever your age. So that really drove me in how we created the marketing communication for Isle of Paradise. It was almost a lot easier creating the marketing than it was creating the products because I just, I really wanted to change the beauty industry. And the night before it launched, I remember thinking, oh my God, if this doesn't work, what am I going to do? Like if this all fails, all my money was poured into this. I just, it was such a risk for me to take. Um, But it just showed when it did launch that people really wanted to feel like they had a seat at the table. And if a brand doesn't make you feel like you have a seat at that table, don't buy from that brand. Buy from brands that really care about who you are and are inclusive truly to their core and champion and give your money to the ones that are trying their hardest to change the world. Because yes, you can go down the route of making as much cash as you can and not caring about the environment and marketing towards people's insecurities, which in the beauty industry you see so much of. And and, until you start your confidence journey, oh honey, they're making money from you because you didn't even think about those wrinkles until that brand told you that it would reduce 82% of wrinkles. You didn't even think about your imperfections until the brand told you that. So until you start unpacking that and going, hang on, am I insecure about my skin? Is this why this brand's making money from me? Then it changes everything about it. But yeah, Isle of Paradise has been like been bolted onto a roller coaster that I was not (laughs) anticipating at all. And going from backstage and working with people one-on-one in spray tan booths to boardroom for me was a a real learning curve. And God, I used to just sit there in these board meetings and think, I don't know what the fuck anyone's talking about here. And and I used to come out and say to my business partner, like, can we just have a debrief over what (laughs) is just like, I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, but I've I've really learned to own the fact that I don't know everything and that's okay. But also like, and and this is like, this is a bit of a a side subject, but I think that it's really important in this world where we kind of make people believe they can be these like incredible entrepreneurs and CEOs of their companies. Like it's so normal to have gaps in your knowledge. Like I haven't got a business degree. Like I specialize in what I specialize in and I'm really, really good at what I know. But there's so much that I don't know and that's okay. But also you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to do that. And if if you don't want to do that, that's absolutely okay. Um, And I think in today's society, everything is so public mm. and it, well, everything's shared. But, you know, even everything that's shared is not everything that you see. So I think there's always these traps of comparison. But a friend of mine, Lucy Sheridan, always says, 
it depends what season you are in. So are you in a spring where a time of growth and abundance, a summer reaping the rewards, or are you in a winter, which is a time of hunkering down? And just because it's winter outside doesn't mean that's where you are as yourself in the season. So while some people are flourishing and making loads of noise, sometimes that's just not where you are. And like, you can hunker down and be a bit still. And then the next, like in three months time, you're going to be somewhere else. I absolutely love that. I feel like I needed to hear that today. I'm having my winter. <laughs> okay, love, I love that, that for you. I absolutely love that. Um, in terms of like your, I guess, core brand messages, are there things that like you really have like pinned to the wall that you're like, this is what we stand for? Like, did you really have to spend time carving out what those things were? Because I think, and I really love what you said about a brand speaking to you because I think that's so crucial. But in order for you to be as expansive with that as possible and, and be really diverse in who you're speaking to, was it important for you to kind of really, I guess, identify what Isle of Paradise was and who you were trying to be in the industry? I think in the early days it was. And there was lots of times where we thought that a cons like our customer was going to be one type of person. And actually, the markets change, things change. And in different countries, it's different people. So yeah, there's an element of you've really got to make sure you're speaking to every single person sat around the table. But also, I am so focused on if we are going to market products and we are going to sell products, it's sold on empowerment. It's sold on, do you know what? I actually don't care if you don't use Isle of Paradise. Like my life is not going to end. But if you do, I hope that you will feel like the best version of yourself, period. Like full stop. Yeah. That's, that's it. it. It always comes back to, is this going to empower somebody? Yeah. And if it's not, then why are we doing it? I love that. Uh, you spoke about your journey from like, um, you know, from the back end to the boardroom but I think also one of the I guess parts of your role backstage to boardroom back end sounds like I've been in a nightclub backstage did I say back end <laughs> you said back end oh which I was like hey girl I mean we have been there <laughs> back end. oh my god I'm so sorry backstage. <laughs> well I meant like kind of back room you know doing the tans and you I don't know oh, back room's good who knows where we were going with that back end I love it um from backstage to bo to boardroom but I also think that one of the big parts of your role has been I guess, being a semi-face of the brand in the sense that you've started your own content creation journey. Yeah. You've become like the internet's best friend, basically. The, the friend that you need that gives you all that advice that's like, oh my God, thank God I saw Jules's content today because that's really given me the perk up that I needed. I always feel like when I see your stuff, it just puts a smile on my face. What was the decision to, I guess, start sharing? Because obviously you're, you're on your own journey. You may be not at a place where, especially when you started sharing stuff where you feel fully confident in who you are yet. What was the decision to start sharing that publicly? I mean, now we're in the age of social media, so it does feel easy to kind of be like, right, I'm going to be the face of the brand. But that must have been still challenging at the beginning. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was so difficult. And I felt like there were so many things that I did that I just didn't know what I was doing. Um, but there was a day where I went cold water swimming with some friends and we took a picture by the pool, by this like lake. And was in swimwear and I got the train back to London and I was thinking I really want to post this picture because I've had a nice day I've had a lovely day but then the other voice was saying but I don't want to post this picture because look at my body and I remember sitting there and thinking what I don't get this I've had such a nice day that photo shows me so happy but I'm pulling it apart because of what other people might think of my body. And I was going to a concert on my own that night, love a date night on my own, <laughs> had a glass of wine and I posted the picture on my Instagram. I was like, had a lovely day swimming. That was it. Went into the concert, came out, checked my phone and my phone had gone like, 
crazy. And I just thought, oh, I might, I'm, I think I'm going to document this body confidence journey and this journey to myself just for me, just so I start putting it out there. And there, there was content that I posted back then that I don't think I'd post now, but it was... Oh, babe, we all have that journey. <laughs> you do not want to scroll back on my... <laughs> but I've not deleted it. It's there if you want to go deep. Um, but for me, yeah, I think I love actually that social media exists now. And I love that as a brand founder, you can really see the other side of brands when the founder isn't authentic. You can be like, oh, okay, that's not what I thought this brand was about. Yeah. So, for, And I love the fact that um, people can literally DM straight to me and ask me a question and nine times out of 10, I will answer. Um, and I, I think that's a, a joyful part of social media. Absolutely. And I genuinely, I feel like that's part of the success of the brand is that you are so transparent and it feels so genuine and authentic. I have no secrets. To your own What's journey. the point? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think you're so right that we live in this age where I think it's very easy to create a brand narrative, right? And be like, this is who we are. But actually like I, the brands that I personally really relate to are the brands where I'm like, I really recognize like a genuine, authentic voice. And yours has that. And, you know, there's part of, what I feel you're really doing online and the success of your social content, which is that you're so good at speaking to the individual. When I see your content, I genuinely feel like you're speaking to me or like you're really engaging with me. Like, especially I think on TikTok where you're loose and free and fun. Like I- She's loose on TikTok. I love it, I love it. <laughs> but it really, it has that kind of best friend feel. And, you know, when I think about how brands now evolve and how they create mm. that authentic voice, there is a part of me that thinks, you know, all right, it's not for everyone wanting to be the face of their brand. I get that. And that's okay. But there's definitely that kind of specific space where it works so well to have someone that you see as being like almost an, extent, an extension of who the brand is and what it represents. And I feel like you really do that well. I think the two very much marry up now. Mm. Um, and I think whatever the business, whether it's a global beauty brand or a singular coffee shop, Either way, people buy people and people have always bought people through going into retail environments. And you might not like that skirt, but that shop assistant made you feel amazing. So you buy the skirt. I'm a sucker for that. I'm same terrible. girl, same. <laughs> but it's if someone makes you feel good, then God, that's where it ends. That it, You just feel great. So and I think there's lots of times where people maybe are starting a business or want to put themselves out there, but imposter syndrome can be so rife with creating content or even just being a front of house person. And imposter syndrome is completely 100% normal. A friend, at Claudia Winkleman said to me once with a spray tan, she said, you know, if you, if you weren't nervous, that would be weird. If you didn't have this thing that's trying to hold you back or telling you no, that would be odd. But use that energy and change the narrative so fear becomes excitement. And that fear can also become adrenaline, which makes you push yourself to deliver an even better job. So whether that's social media, whether it's you're going into the boardroom, maybe you're going for an interview, if you have this nervous excitement feeling turn it into adrenaline and confidence. Don't let it manifest as fear. And then you'll start to do your best work. So much of it is about the the, the, the narrative that we say to ourselves in mm. our head, isn't it? I think the, the internal voice is so powerful. Looking at your 
body confidence journey now and where you find yourself where like you're sat here and I'm just like, I just adore you. Like I really like love you so much. I know, should we go for drinks? <laughs> Please. <laughs> but I think that um, it would be really interesting and I feel like there are definitely some things you'll be able to impart on things that you do every day or every week that help keep you in a positive space. Because as you and I both know, like you can be on a journey but something challenges you or you have a day where you're like, oh, I really felt myself feeling triggered today. Um, and I know that I have tools that I always bring myself back to that kind of keep me on the straight and narrow. Are there certain things that you feel really help you when you're having one of those days where you feel a bit shit, basically? Oh my God, of course. There's the go-to <laughs> checklist. Um, I think fitness is a massive one for me and I'm not talking about like, drop and give me 20. It's more, <laughs> it's more about just moving your body and just getting those endorphins going. I try and work out in the mornings, not in because otherwise I can procrastinate that workout. Um, but also I totally recognize that exercise isn't for everyone. A walk will still clear your mind. It's okay to not be okay. Don't ever think that how you feel isn't valid. And once you accept that this is how you're feeling, we can either take to journaling, you can talk to a friend, you can even just scream into a pillow. These things do help and just get it out of the body. I think nourishment is also a huge thing. Um, as much as if I'm having an off day, God, I just want a mainline Pringles and Diet Coke. <laughs> Actually, what I know my body needs is some vitamins, some health, maybe a smoothie, loads of water. Often for me, a down day will come if I'm blo feeling bloated. Mm. And actually, why am I bloated? What have I eaten? What do I need to do? So tomorrow is a new day. The down day, it's okay to be in it. You don't have to coast and push it to the back. You can just let yourself go, be in the down day because tomorrow is going to be a new day. And remember that every single day, the sun rises, the sun sets, the world turns and it keeps going. The journey is the consistent journey. So not every journey, not every day is going to be the fireworks. It's the highs and the lows. And the lows are there because eventually they'll make you stronger. So the next time you have a low, it won't be as low, but you're going to be cool. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay, I think babe. that's really important when you're in a low, reminding yourself you're going to be okay. Because I know that, there, yeah, there can be times where you feel pretty entrenched in it and you're like, oh, when is this ending? But it's always that. I love that idea of like every day is a fresh start to be able to have a better day, you know? And it might not be tomorrow or the day after, but at some point there will be a day that's better and slowly you build on that. And that sense of momentum is really helpful as well. And stand in front of the mirror and say, I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> I am a bad bitch. I've got this. You have got this, honey. It's so true though. Like, oh God, yeah. We all need you sat on our shoulder, basically, just telling us every day, like. Cheap and available. Can't be cloned. And if people are wanting to find you elsewhere, there is a very exciting new podcast that has just come out from you. Tell me about um, the idea and how it came about and what the podcast is. So the podcast is called Dial a Dilemma. It's Love it. agony and I really wanted a podcast for me where I didn't have to talk about beauty or essentially body confidence or anything that I talked about in my day to day or work. I wanted a, a space where I could truly be a bit unhinged. And the conversations <laughs> that I used to have with clients in the spray tan booth were a lot of the time like wild conversations. And I was like, well, how can we bring that to a podcast platform? So in each episode, callers ring up, 
they've been through all kinds of dilemmas. We're talking dating, sex, bosses, the lot. And each episode has a different guest and we unpack the dilemmas. If you have listened to the podcast, all I'm going to say is the cutty sock story will leave your jaw (laughs) on the floor. Um, But yeah, you can find it out on your podcast spaces. And also, if you want to follow me on social media, it's at Jules Von Hepp please do follow because I guarantee you it will make your day and he's just the best energy to be uh, engaging with. Jules, thank you so much for being the most sunshine energy. It has made my day having you as a guest on the podcast. I honestly absolutely love you and I'm so proud and happy of everything that you're doing because it's amazing. So long may it continue. Um, Love the gilet, gilet babe. Mm, Just a little something something. (laughs) Just a little something something. (laughs) And um, I can't wait to, I'm actually like desperate to come onto your podcast. You simply must. I honestly like agony aunts is my vibe like I'm there with bells and whistles on thank you so much so good to have you thank you so thank you so much for listening to today's episode I'll be back on Friday for my Ask Alice again if you have any questions for that send us an email to the email that's in the show notes if you are enjoying the podcast and you'd like to hear a little more from me I am so excited to announce that I have just written my latest book Give Me Strength How I Turned My Back on Restriction Nurtured the Body I Love and How You Can Too it comes out in July and is available for pre-order now and it's the book I wish I had read when I was really struggling with body image and exercise addiction and so if this sounds like something that might help you you can find the link to get your copy in the show notes now I'll be back next Wednesday for my next episode and I look forward to speaking to you then Insanity Group